Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. So you need to know that you may be single, but you are complete. According to the Word of God, you are a complete person. You're not a half a person. You're not... Um, you know, you're not like until you meet that the right one, as we heard on news, then suddenly you're this, you know, whole person. You're whole now. And, and no one is going to complete you. No man is going to complete you. No one is going to complete you except God. You know, he promised that he started a good work in all of us, and he will complete it, and he will complete us. Philippians Chapter 1 from verse 3, it says, In all my prayers for all of you, I pray always with joy. This was the verse from last month. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? And Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, The word single means consisting of a separate, unique whole. You know, I've spoken to too many women who have felt like they're not complete. And then we watch, is it Jerry Maguire? The chick flick. And he says to her, you complete me. And I'm like, no, you don't. Okay, so whether you are a spinster, divorced, widowed, you are a whole person. But you know, we are aware that there are challenges for some people who are single. And one of those would be like, I feel so alone. I feel so alone, Pastor Wilma. Well, there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Because you don't need to be lonely if Jesus is on the throne of your heart. Amen? And that's not a cliche. You don't need to be lonely if you're part of a local church because the Bible says he sets the lonely in families. And this is one of those families. And, and this is where you need to find your place, where you need to serve, where you need to worship, um, and, and where you need to be fulfilled in God. Amen? And you just keep doing that until love finds you via a man because he who finds a woman finds a woman, okay? Now, I'm not against uh, matchmaking. I'm a very good one at that. <laughs> and I'm always reminded of Naomi, you know? Ruth, my dear, go glean near that Kingsman Redeemer, Boaz. And she guided him, uh, her to him and uh, even said that she must go and sleep at his feet. Now, don't get any ideas, okay? <laughs> I don't have time tonight to go there. But just remember something. She was covered, it says. She had to be covered with a cloak and she just lay there. That's all she had to do. <laughs> but the Bible still says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen. So going into a relationship to cure loneliness is the wrong reason to get into a relationship with anyone. A man is not going to cure something that only God can cure in us. Amen. So... 
A successful single is one that is secure within, flaws and all. We all know our flaws. We all have flaws. We're all fallen. We all have a measure of brokenness. We're not perfect, amen? But we are secure within flaws and all. We've learned to love themselves. They've learned to love themselves as well as others, amen? We're also in this process of becoming, amen? And he who started that work will complete it, meaning it's a work in progress, amen? And so as a Christian, you are given complete fullness in Christ, even before your marriage. Maybe you're saying, I'm not wanted, or I can't be lovely. Others must be more lovely. I mean, look at her. What does he see in her? I can't be lovely. No, you are. It's not true if you think that, because if you know the truth of God's word, you know, he, he says that you are beautifully and wonderfully and fearfully made in his image. You are beautiful. You're lovely. I mean, you are lovely. And so singleness, as far as I'm concerned, makes you attractive. It makes you, it makes you mysterious. Who's that girl? <laughs> Amen? So I have an open letter from a single guy to a single girl, and I'm going to read it to you. But we also have a letter from a single girl to a single guy, but that's for Pastor Andre to deal with when he has all these men who wanted to come to tonight, <laughs> clamoring at the door, he can deal with them on another night at Iron Man or at Euros. So, this is so cute, and it's very godly. Dear single girl, I don't know you personally yet, but there are a few things I want to tell you with the hope that I will get to know you someday. Number one, how to get a man's attention. The guy that you are looking for isn't attracted to charm as much as he is godliness because beauty fades, but godliness grows. I know that the culture will tell you that guys are turned away and intimidated by girls that love Jesus and have strong values and convictions. Culture is wrong. Boys may be turned away by strong convictions, but men are not. Be the woman God has called you to be, and a godly man will notice. Number two, run from Prince Charming. As my husband always says, Tom Ford just walked past. It wafts for minutes after he's gone. I know, because he uses it, and I can smell him when he's not even there. So run from Prince Charming. Some girls seem to give attention to every smooth talker and cool dresser that comes their way. Please don't do that. Be patient and wait on a man who's concerned with pursuing Jesus. He's concerned with pursuing Jesus, not another trophy. And if he's married, he's not for you, no matter how unhappy he is with his wife. separate what God has joined together. That is not for you. Only give the growing, God-fearing man a chance to pursue you. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Number three, I'm just a guy, not a God. This is the guy's 
this is the guy telling the single girl, okay? No other person can hello, complete you, or make you happy. There are lots of physical and emotional benefits that come from a relationship, but none of it is enough to sustain a healthy, loving marriage if your faith is not in Jesus. Number four, don't wait on me, pursue Jesus. From my male perspective, there is nothing more attractive than a woman um, being obedient to Jesus and taking the risk to follow Jesus wherever he leads. When it comes time for me to pick a partner, I want someone that can be with me on an adventure, not someone who's used to doing nothing and complaining about the fact that no one is interested in them. Pursue Jesus and I will pursue you when he gives me the green light. And lastly, number five, time is not running out. Shall I repeat that? Time is not running out. Singleness is a gift, not a curse. Do you want to be beautiful? Put your hope in God and don't give way to fear. Trust is timing. Don't waste your single years by always waiting on what is next and turning yourself into a man chaser. Let's follow God right now and trust him to take care of the next. God is sovereign and able to direct both of us to each other when the time is right. Until then, a single guy. And just a few thoughts from, from my heart. You know, for years as well, I have said this, be nice to be near. Be, be nice to be near. Look after yourself, you know. Smell nice. Sound nice. Look nice. Make the effort and be modest in your dress. Not frumpy. We're not talking frumpy. But, you know, you can work out what the Bible means by that, what it means by modesty. You know, one thing I do know about the Word of God and about the heart of God is maybe sometimes we don't want to dress modestly because it's not fun but actually it's the best thing for us. God knows best, amen? 1 Peter 3, verse 3, it says, let yours not be merely, not be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving, and sorry girls, I didn't write this. I know there's a lot of girls with weaved hair. Sorry about that. I didn't even think about that. With knotting of the hair, the wearing of, see they did it in those days, hey? Uh, the knotting of the hair, the wearing of jewelry, or changes of clothes, but let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit that which is not anxious or wrought up, but is very precious in the sight of God. Amen? So it's like, let it not merely be. In other words, don't stop doing what you're doing, but don't count on that. Amen? Don't, that's not all you've got to be. Is, is the external person, there's the internal person. 1 Timothy 2 uh, verse 9, it says, and the women should be the same quiet and sensible in manner and clothing. Christian women should be noticed for being kind and good, not for the way they fix their hair or because of their jewels or fancy clothes. You know, the context here is to, to bring a balance. These scriptures were written to bring a, an, a balance. And so men are turned on by sight, what they see. So that's very important to us that we present ourselves as God's gorgeous girls. Amen. We present ourselves as 
daughters of the king, as royalty, amen. And as I said, not frumpy, but responsibly. Am I, am I, am I helping you? So, men are turned down by sight. And last but not least, before I just read a few verses, keep sex and intimacy for your marriage. Easy for me, hey? Because I didn't. I did not know Jesus when we got married. But we'll get to the frank discussion in a moment. Here's Song of Songs 2 verse 7. It says, oh, let me warn you, sisters of Jerusalem. That means sisters of rivers. Sisters of the king. I mean, daughters of the king. By the gazelles, yes, by all the wild deer. Don't excite love. Don't stir it up until the time is right and you're ready. You see, the Bible teaches leaving and cleaving. Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Not his girlfriend, not his colleague for one night, but he should be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. I'm going to leave you with a passage of scripture that we won't have time to read, but you write it down. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the whole chapter, because it will cover everything you need to know about marriage, about singleness, about widowhood, about celibacy, because there are people like that. I know they're as scarce as unicorns, but I have met some people like that. Um, people who believe they are meant to be only, you know, I think that's where the nunneries and the monks and those people came from because those people, they're like devoted to God. The eunuchs in, in, in the Bible um, sort of, I get the idea that, that those were people who were dedicated for a purpose. And I, I know many people feel that in the ministry, they're pastors who never have married and never will marry, and they're not weird. They just dedicated, and, and that's the call. Paul had that call on his life, so it's not wrong. So I trust I have helped you, single girls. Okay, so I'm going to call Pastor Andre up to join me. Oops. Evening, girls. <laughs> what? So, so it's um, Andre and Vilma, and Frank is here. I asked him very nicely to behave, because all week we've been like talking about things, some things he doesn't know I'm going to ask. I'm a guest at Sisters, so I'll just stay on the couch, behave yourself. And he kept threatening me, can you see how he interrupts me? And he kept threatening me that... Frank is going to make its appearance at this meeting, whoever Frank is, okay. So if you haven't read Small Beginnings, um, we, we were not, I was not a good girl, he was not a good boy. But we were bad with only each other, okay? It was the era of Make love, not war, and, but there was a measure of my mom telling me, I didn't know Jesus, I didn't serve him, went to Sunday school, but my mother used to say to me, I know you're hanging out with that long-haired scully, 
but you must know that God is watching you. <laughs> and that did really put the fear of God in me, I, I must be honest. So we got married because I was five months pregnant and I was 19 and he was 18, so it is a doomed marriage. In fact, everyone at our wedding, my older brother who walked me down the aisle, because I'd lost my dad at the age of 12, everyone was like, shame, you know, this, oh, these kids, you know. <laughs> my brother who walked me down the aisle said to me, this is, this is not happening, this is a disaster. Like, and, thank, and, and, and thank you, thank and you. And he used to give me a lift to work. So Every he, now and again. And he'd like stop at the traffic light and he'd say, listen, listen, mm-hmm. you don't look after my sister, eh? And he'd use Afrikaans words and then we'd move on. <laughs> okay, but I have to tell you that as lost as we were, um, we, we, we were... We, we felt that this is what we wanted. We felt this is what we wanted to do. We, we didn't or any time say, I, had to, I never said I've had to get married. Or, or he, that has not been our speak, even before we got to know the Lord. But we wanted to be together, and we wanted to build a life together, and we wanted to have this baby. And so we started with nothing. We had no honeymoon. We started with nothing. Everything that was... Hey, wait, wait, wait. I need to tell them that. So, 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 so we got married and then we moved in with my mom because, you know, my, my, my mom had this big three-room flat. So on the day of our marriage, that <gasps> night. I can't believe it. We've just cuddled up in bed. My mom comes in, on. <laughs> yes, mom. Yes, mom. So funny. Anyway. Okay, so we've got to move fast. Talk about a good start, eh? Yeah. We weren't just cuddled up either. <laughs> okay, I, I, want, oh, to, oh, wait, wait, I want to paint a picture. No, but tell them. Tell them also about, because everyone imagines like you saw each other and you knew and the Lord spoke and then the no. angels said, toot, 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 no. it's you. We didn't have anything. We were given That's crockery. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay? That's what I'm trying to say. So we didn't have bedding, we didn't have a bed, we didn't have anything, crockery, cutlery, all of that was given to us. But you know the amazing thing is, what was given to us was completely not our taste, like not by a long stretch. <laughs> Pyrex with flowers on and stuff like that. But I'm not, I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying the provision was actually there. And as time went on, we were able to replace it. Well, then 11 months later, we got saved. We gave our hearts to Jesus 11 months later. Um, I started a new job, and a girl witnessed to me, and I was so desperate to know God because we were studying with the Jehovah Witnesses for three months and so confused. And it came out of a hunger to know God and to to read the Bible. And uh, we got saved. And once we gave our hearts to the Lord we realized that what we did was really not acceptable in his sight. And so we renewed our vows and we got saved in a great church, downtown Assembly of God, Cape Town at the Presbyterian Church where they used to hire the St. Andrew's Church. And we got gloriously saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized. And we started our path and our journey with the Lord the way that it should have been 
um, before we actually, you know, we, 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 this is what, how it should have been from the, from the very start. But it wasn't perfect. No. So, so first so, question. No, wait, wait. Let, me help question. Let me help the ladies. Because we both got saved on the same night. She wanted to go to church all the time. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was like, we went in the morning. <laughs> so we had to learn how to marry two different desires, needs. I saw church more like a nuisance. He was a bad boy. Even in after fact, salvation. In, in fact, when I got saved, give me some, you know, the cassette tapes. Just give me cassette tapes. I'll listen to the message. She wanted to mix with the people. And there were guys that were after her, didn't know they were married. I'd have to appear and like. <laughs> so if you've got a husband who's not on track with you, give him time. Because he might end up running a large church. <laughs> okay, first question, because we're running out of time. So how did we make it work, this doomed marriage? Were we just lucky? Did luck have anything to do with it? Is it because we pray together every day? No, we, do, we, we, we don't pray every day together because Vilma plays very long prayers. <laughs> no, she does. I lose track because she, she goes into heavenly places and talks to everyone. <laughs> Moses, Elijah, the Lord, everybody. And I'm like, I like short shop. This is what I want, Lord. This is what I need. Number one, number two, number three, Amen. But so we do still pray together. We do pray together, but don't get the impression that a marriage that lasts 47 years is where the two of you are holding hands in bed. La, 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 No, that's happened very few times. Okay. We each have a different kind of relationship, but we have, a, we have an exactly the same commitment to the Lord. Yeah, amen. I think that... Um, if you work hard at anything, it will bring forth fruit, and that's what we've done. We've just worked hard at our marriage and our relationship. Proverbs 14.23 says, all hard work brings a profit. That's speaking of your work, that's, that's your job, that's speaking of your, the work that you, you, parent, you beautiful, gorgeous girls uh, are parenting your children. That, that hard work, you will see a profit for your hard work, I mean, and your marriage. Babe, and can, then, I, can I say this? Because I think some people think that if it's not working and there's tension, that God's not in it. Well, if God's not in it, then you know where you're going to end up, eh? You're going to end up looking for where God is. No, no, you have to make it work. Mm. And it requires death to self, commitment. Yeah, but you don't know my husband, No. You, you need to read the book. You know what it's called by John Ortberg? Everyone's normal until you get to know them. <laughs> no, seriously, because it takes work to make a marriage work. It doesn't just click. Okay, I've got all those points coming, okay? Um, <laughs> like I told you, he doesn't know everything I'm going to ask him. Have you ever been attracted to other women? <laughs> While married. So what do you think I'm going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Slowly now. <laughs> Attraction is a God-given gift. But acting on it is not. So there's certain people you'll meet throughout your life, right even into your 60s, that you go, oh, gee, they're really, 
they are nice, gee, I like that person. And, and it's, it's not, not in a sexual way, but you, you click with them or you, you just don't act on it. You don't kiss them, touch them. You don't fantasize. You don't fantasize. You don't make lewd comments. You don't send text messages. You acknowledge the gift of attraction, but you practice self-control. Yeah, yeah. Very good. And, and also, you know, people believe this is a belief system which we were taught is not true. Um, and until we were taught this, we thought it was true that there's a lid for every pot. There's the perfect lid for every pot. But I've discovered in my kitchen, sometimes if a lid breaks, I find another pot's lid and it works just as fine, okay? <laughs> and sometimes, how cool is this? Sometimes the pot is a different color to the lid, but it still works. How cool is that? So, finances, Pastor Andre. I would say what we've learned is we spend only what we have. It's, it's like, for me, it's like financial stress kills romance. So when we have had those times and seasons in our lives, because we had three children, one salary, um, very short of money, and had to navigate how to use pulchards and make lasagna with pulchards, or have baked beans on toast for supper. Uh, but fortunately, those seasons came and they went and they didn't last, I mean. And so my advice would be that we've got to learn to be content with what we have and not keep up with the Joneses because God will cure that in us. It's something that he has to cure in us. And also I find that if Pastor Andre is transparent about finances, um, then, then, you know, if he's transparent, then I'm secure. If, he's, if he doesn't tell me everything, if I feel he's holding something back, then I get suspicious and I get insecure because I think, are we in trouble? So he has a way of assuring me constantly because it's, I have a need for it. I don't know other women who, who may feel the same. I have a need to Quite know that there. we are okay. I have a need, I mean, for years, it's not like that so much anymore, but because I'm so used to it, for years and years, I used to phone him and say, I'm at Woolies, or I'm at Trubers, or I'm wherever I am, and um, I'm in need of something, I need a blouse, I need, you know, um, can we afford it? And because I just felt that I want to be accountable What's your take on it, Pat? Actually, you know, I have to say this. Pastor Vilma's never been someone who just comes home and says, I felt I was worth it and so I spent this. <laughs> She's never, ever done that. She's not needed my permission. I know of people whose wives come home with tops and stuff and, he, and the husband will say, take that right back. I'm like, what kind of marriage is that? So we've always had, listen, a joint account so that it's transparent but we've had agreements that we won't spend a certain amount of money without discussing it. I've always been a risk taker. We're always improving things in our lives. We, we run a very large organization, so there's big budgets, and I forget sometimes to tell it, but I've learned over the years, very important for a woman to feel secure, to not live in fear that the bills aren't paid, that someone's gonna knock on the door, and uh, simple thing, happy wife, happy life. Very good, very good. So, so next, um, communication is important, and, and we've, we, you know, we got it wrong. Um, you know, we probably still do from time to time get it wrong. 
But we always try and show love and respect. From and time to time. From time to time. We, no, we always show. We always, I said, we always show love and respect. I'm a very good communicator. I do it for a living. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's not. No. He's not. Didn't, my favorite thing is, didn't I tell you? Yes. Well, you know, we talk, we forgive, and we move on quickly. But I want to just bring up onto the screen... Listen, it's getting too frank. If you can't move on quickly, you won't last 47 years. It's good. So here's some hindrances that we learned from our senior pastors that we want to pass on to you. These are hindrances to good communication. Number one, teasing, especially about weight or previous failure. I don't know about you girls, my husband doesn't tease me, but I don't personally like teasing because I grew up with five brothers and all they ever did, they lived to tease me. Secondly, sarcasm. Sarcasm, sharp, bitter, and cutting remarks is, is not building, it's damaging the, the relationship. Words like this, number three, let's be logical or reasonable. Let's be logical or reasonable suggests that the person is not logical and it can be an insulting statement. Number four, blame shifting. And we all know Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the, blamed the devil, and the devil had, did not have a leg to stand on. <laughs> Number five, preaching or lecturing. I'm quite naughty though about this one because someone that I know wrote a book called Find a Way to Win. And every now and again, I come with a difficult oh, thing to fix. And usually I'll hear, no, no, I don't think, I, I don't think, I, I don't think I'll be able to do that. No, no. Didn't you write, find a way to win? <laughs> but you know what I she mean? She does that. But you know what I mean? You know, it's like it. But every now and again, she'll do something. Then I'll say. Didn't you speak about that at Sisters on yes, Friday? Yes, he does. He does. Okay. Oh, that okay. kind of teasing we do, but not. But I think, it's not serious. I think in a marriage, if if um, I have met women whose husbands, and we'll get to some gender stuff just now, but husbands who feel that their wives need to submit to them, and they will preach those scriptures: women submit to the man, you know, and. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it speaks down, and it makes her feel like she's got to do all the work, and he's exempt from the work, and uh, that, that kind of thing. So that I was think, number five. I think it happens, and it's, I think you've got, you got a room full of ladies. I think it happens when a man feels disrespected on a continuous basis. So you have to check yourself there. Mm. We all disrespect each other from time to time when we're angry. Yeah. But if you keep disrespecting your husband, he will resort to using the Bible to beat you. Because he's got to use something to get you to listen. Because he's desperate. Just realize that and maybe find a way to renew your respect for him. And to include him and give his opinion. Because men re need respect. Women need affection yeah, or love. That's true. But there could be a chance that... The woman is doing the right thing, and still there is that excessive authoritarian vibe. Yeah, some going churches on. teach that. To an Number extent. six, excessive talking. <laughs> I think that's me. I must be honest. I, I, 
I love to talk, and I know that they're kind of refuting this now. Uh, they used to say we had like 37,000 words per day, and the man had like 200 words. I'm exaggerating. Um, but I still think it, it, it has merit that we are very wordy, as we far more wordy as, as, as women, and uh, that can also be a hindrance in a communication and re being repetitive. Okay, number seven, a chronic interrupter. It becomes a habit, say no more. Number eight, <laughs> silence, silence, silence. Silence when you're trying to communicate. Sulking, silence is the, one of the most hurtful things when a spouse doesn't want to listen and resolve a matter or wishes for you both not to speak about it. And this can only allow problems to accumulate because you feel like, oh, it's being swept under the carpet. The, the chickens will come home to roost someday and there'll be an explosion and we'll have to get all the dirt out from under the carpet. You know, sometimes you don't want to argue. You're just like, I've had enough. And then Bill will say, don't sweep it under the carpet. And I have to lift up the carpet and bring it all out again. Yeah. It's one of her favorites. Num number nine, tears. Now, I, you know, I, I, there was a time for me where I could cry very quickly and it wasn't acting. It was just woundedness and blah, you know. I would just be weeping and crying. But it can be very off-putting and... Uh, Rather not let it be excessive and frequent. I learned later to rather just go to the bathroom and, Lord Jesus, you see me and you hear me and my heart is breaking and take it to the Lord and then calm down so the communication con can continue. Number 10, lying. Lying. Number 11, nagging. Do you know that because we are women and we were created to be helpers, it can, can come across as if we are nagging when we're actually trying to be helpers. We're not nagging, we're just helping. <laughs> <laughs> of course we do nag, of course we do. What can I say except amen? Amen. <laughs> Number 12, anger. And number 13, sinful anger. Anger. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. But there's a sinful anger where there's violence and destructive behavior. And, and, and you know, we, 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 you know, there are women who also beat up their husbands. I know I've, I've punched Pastor Andre a couple of times in the car. So you know the story, hey? He She's drives kind like of, a cowboy. Uh, done that, like, but stop it. But she stop did it. give me one punch that was... <laughs> and so, I deserved it. I was driving. We'll get to that part now. Pretty fast. Two more. Number 14, not really listening. That's a hindrance. I'm like, are you listening? Girls, do your husbands, do they actually listen? Because even today it happened that someone wasn't paying attention. <laughs> During the load shedding this morning. Anyway. You know, when, when you're not listening, your eyes glaze over or you're on your cell phone. The cell phone's a thing that can be quite a hindrance to communication. And number 15, the use of always and never wor words. Try not to. I know that even though I try not to, sometimes it still pops out, you know. You always come home late when you know, you know and you never put out the, you know. 
try not to because those, I think, are mainly the wives that need to check on those things. Proverbs, I think you'll, you'll even damage your friendship with those words. Yeah, I think in, in any communication. Um, Proverbs 25, 11, 11 says, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And Proverbs 15, 1 says, A gentle answer, isn't that good? A gentle answer will calm a person's anger, but an unkind answer will cause more anger. So I'm just going to move on a little bit. Have you ever raised a hand to your wife? No, I've never raised my hand to my wife, but I've raised my voice. Okay. I think violence is uh, something demonic. You'll notice in Scripture, when, uh, whenever a demon got a hold of a person, would, it would be violent with him. And Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I was once a violent man. So conversion should remove that from you because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness. So, so it doesn't mean you don't get angry. It doesn't mean you don't feel annoyed or feel like, gosh, you know, but you don't use violence because it's not the sign of a regenerate life. And I, you may have heard me say this, those of you that are at Rivers would have heard me say this from the platform. We have 16 days of activism and we think that's going to change an unregenerate heart. It can't. People need conversion. That's why people need to come to church, give their hearts to Jesus. He comes and lives in you. Then all that stuff begins to change. He frees you from a lack of purpose. He frees you from suicidal thoughts. He frees you from hopelessness. He frees you from violence. You're not perfect, but it begins a journey of change. We are the answer for the world. Amen. Not us, Amen. but Christ in us. And so there's some, you know, men who would feel like, you know, a woman needs a good hiding every now and again. Well, is she your child or your wife? No, no, no. You need to respect a woman. And it's a sign of incredible weakness when, you, when anyone resorts to violence. It's the last port of call when you run out of words and vocabulary and thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We... we Usually, if people get into marital difficulties, um, we try our best through the pastoral care and those that have, through the years, um, that we've known and are close to and have helped with, you know, marital problems, we try to get them to, to be counseled and to help them and, uh, you know, give them resources and, and, and stuff like that. But if at any time there is gender-based violence, it's the one time we say walk away. Walk away. Because today you may have a blue eye, tomorrow you may have cracked ribs, next week you may be dead. I mean? And so it's completely unbiblical. I don't believe that we are meant to be punch bags. And uh, I know how you feel about gender-based violence and uh, that it's, it's not okay. There's nothing in Scripture to suggest. There's nothing in Scripture, not a single thing uh, to suggest. And even more recently when Pastor Andre did a baby dedication, he spoke about Proverbs 22 where it says about, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child. Do you want to just expound on that? That rod actually is not a stick. Yeah, when it says spare the rod and spoil the child, uh, it doesn't mean uh, keep using the stick. It means the rod of authority, like Aaron's rod. It means exercise authority. That's why it says, 
use the, rod of, use the rod on your child, he will not die. In other words, don't listen to his squeals and cries and moaning and fits. Exercise authority because the child needs some kind of guideline. And in the end, it will be good for them, not bad for them. But I mean, if you, if you, if you think that use the rod, he won't die. If you hit a child with a rod, of course he's going to die. It's illogical. No wonder people don't believe the Bible because we don't interpret it correctly. Yeah, and true that something will definitely die in the child, confidence, um, but then, you, you know, we've counseled, um, I know of one woman that comes to mind that came to us with a big swollen face and her husband took a belt and gave her hiding and um, based it on, you know, on that scripture, which is completely ridiculous. Um, it's not acceptable. It hurts the heart of God when his girls are being abused, are being punched, are being raped. It's not okay. We mourn the little life, the little girl, eight years old in Cape Town, found in a drain yesterday or the day before. We mourn that, and it's not okay. Amen. That's right. So I, I, I don't want to miss anything, but, you know, when it comes to motherhood in the marriage, um, you know, I've been asked, what did you do? How did you make it work? I didn't always have, I didn't always have help. I didn't always have um, the means to be able to employ someone. And so when we ran a business, I worked half days. My mom in the early days was of a great help to me. And obviously we put our kids eventually when we could afford it into play school or nursery or something like that. And, um, you know, and, and then when I was able to get help, be someone who trusts God for all your needs. I mean, he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Mm. His grace is sufficient for you. And he sees, you know, don't let anyone condemn you for being a working mom, ever. Don't let anyone condemn you. But make it up. Make it up with your kids. I mean, give them time. Give them an hour when you come home, if that's all you can give them. Uh, be interested in their day. Be interested in their school. I remember with my daughter, you know, when she was at school, the highlight of my day was her dad would take her to school in the morning and I would fetch her in the afternoon. And the highlight of my day was to be in the car with her for 15, 20 minutes and just connecting with her and being surprised at how much she knows uh, um, and how wise she is and uh, and just being so proud of what God has done in her life and the wisdom that he has, had, has put in her life. And so, yes, you, you gotta be juggle, you've got to be a juggling mom, but you do the best with what you can, and you ask God for his help and his provision to do the best with what's in your hand. Amen. I, I wanted to just interject, babe, because men do interrupt. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think it's important, you, you could get the wrong impression, oh, you had a business and so on, and gee, it was easy for you. No, when we first got married, um, we worked quite far away, both of us worked far away. We had to take a bus and a train to get to work, and a bus, a train and a bus back. And I used to get home 40 minutes before she did. By the time she got home, I would have fetched our first son, Donovan, brought him home, changed his nappy, given him a bottle, put him in the cot, by the time she got home, supper would have been cooked. Now that's, no, no, don't clap, don't clap. It's not to make me out as a hero. We understood partnership. It, people get into these roles, you know, I don't do this and it's your job. 
Well, if you're both working, you better clarify because it's going to blow your marriage apart. And I was happy to do that, very willing to do that. But then we aimed to get a helper, and then we ran a business. Vilma worked in the shops. She managed all the staff, retail outlets we had. I ran the factory, and then we still were committed to church. We, can I say, I think it's very important, no matter what you go through, make sure you're in church. We were in church all the time and are still in church. Uh, you, you know, you'll notice that if you come to Rivers New Volunteering, you'll see Vilma's in all the services. When we had five services, you'd be in every one of them. I travel around the world. Pastors' wives might come to one, then they're gone. She's in all of them. Why? Because we God. built our I lives on God. To me, every congregation, every service is a different congregation. So how can I just choose one congregation and love on them? I've got to love on all of, all of them. Amen. So we're going to run out of time, but I'm going to, you know, we've done the fun things and Didn't the holidays. Didn't you want to talk about menopause? Shh. We don't have time for that, although I'll make a little bit of time. It's a crazy like, time when like everything when changes. It's a crazy time when everything changes, where you kick the Boy. duvet off in the middle of the night. We actually now still to this day, I don't get hot flashes anymore, but um, to this day, we still use in summer, we've got each our own duvet on the bed. Yeah. Happy marriage. Each have a duvet. Beautiful. <laughs> One's hot. They can be uncovered, but in winter, we've got one. Yeah. Hey, we want to get to some fun stuff here, okay? I, I do just want to, to, once now that we've spoken about menopause, I, I do just want to say we all know their mood swings with the need for space, the need for understanding, but the, the one thing I did do is I asked Pastor Andre, who was exasperated with what is happening to this woman, you know, Where's Vilma and what have you done with her? I told him to please go and read up on it. Go and Google, go and find some resources and just, and, and I think if you do that, you know, with your spouse and say, I can't explain, I haven't got the words to explain how I feel, what my thinking is, what's happening to me, um, you know, I, 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 this, that, and the other, yes, I can say, but it really does help to get just a professional perspective and he changed his mind completely about this whole thing and realized again it's a season and it's gonna last forever and he's got his wife right back right now okay can so I, can I say this it, it's it's something we don't talk about and we were very fortunate because we've had pastors come friends of ours who've taught on midlife crisis and so from a woman's point of view she could understand what midlife crisis is and, uh, you know, I had a midlife crisis in my 40s because I got married so young. So when I was 40-something, I was really, like, wondering about in my whole life. In his 20s, actually. <laughs> so women need to study what happens to a man when he goes through midlife crisis in his 50s. Very good. Late 40s, 50s. And men need to study what happens to a woman when she goes through menopause. Otherwise, your marriage won't survive that. Yeah. It's not the time for the husband to, um, you know, trade in the old model for a new one, it's not worth it. So here are our 10 rules, which will come on the screen of a strong marriage. And there's, please don't interrupt me, Pastor Andre, because there's a lot to be said here. <laughs> so, number one, make your relationship the first priority after God. Jesus at the center of it all. I mean, he is the first, he's our everything. Everything is based on 
Everything that we do is based on the Lord. Whether we're going to be available to do what, to do this. Our calendar is very carefully marked out. Everything is like if we, you know, like for 20 years, we're a bit more flexible with the dates now with sisters, but everything for me was around church services, around conferences, and around sisters' dates because I can't do anything other because I prioritize God and I prioritize the work of God. So make your relationship the first priority after God. Number two, keep a date night. And number three, keep romance alive. Foreplay, sorry boys, begins in the morning. Foreplay begins in the morning. What do I mean by that? It's how you wake up in the morning. It's the smile you give in the morning. It's the touch you give in the morning. It's the kindness like breakfast in bed. Those are all signals. Amen? Either breakfast in bed for the hubby or breakfast in bed for the wife. The sweet conversation. All those signals will set you up for a night of, I have to say it at least once tonight, Great marriage bed sex. <laughs> Gee, uh, that's, come on. Come on. In your 60s, you will still enjoy it. I promise you. Song of, Song of Songs. Stick to the points. Song of Songs. <laughs> Song of Songs. You know, people get so easily offended today. Uh, here's the word of God, Okay. Song of Songs, one verse two, uh, it says, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth because your love is better than wine. And can I encourage you, if you wanna read us a passage, a whole book, Song of Songs is about intimacy, it's about sex, it's about enjoying life together. Read it, it'll inspire you and your hubby. It borders on porn, I promise you, but godly, you know, godly, in a godly way, but the, the beauty of oh, babe, it. Oh, it doesn't border on born. It is erotic. <laughs> it's erotic. This Same is being thing. recorded. It is, er she means, <laughs> I've been married to her a long time. She it's means biblical it's erotic. Porn, but do you see, know I have what, to interrupt. Do you know, what you, the beautiful, do you know what the beautiful thing is about Song of Songs? It's also the love relationship God has with his bride, with his church, amen? And so it really is erotic, it really is beautiful, it is biblical, and it's exciting, and um, right, so intimacy. Another thing under keeping romance alive is understanding each other's love languages. We're never gonna get through it all. But, um, you know, we only learned that, oh, in the last 10 years, that there's such a thing as a love language. And you may have always had it, and then you, now you can call it for what it is because now it's been listed, right? So mine are words of affirmation and gift giving and receiving, and his is physical touch and words of affirmation. So I make sure I milk those for what it's worth. Words of affirmation, and physical touch. And, and that, oh, that's and my advice under keeping romance alive. Am I allowed to say something? <laughs> yes. I know this is a sister's night, but can I just speak now and again? Yeah. You, know, you know what's, what's now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> physical touch. Yes. We made a decision a number of years ago that we would touch one another at least five times a day. 
You say, what, how ridiculous is that? You'd be amazed how little married couples touch each other as marriage goes along. I've seen women who, when they get to 40-something, don't kiss me in public, you're embarrassing me. When they were teenagers, they were climbing up the wall. No, you, you, it's extremely important to maintain that contact or you will look for it somewhere else. Very good, very good. Next point. Touch each other several times a day. <laughs> I didn't invent Sorry, I'm that not point at the list. like now, it's there. So we're quite in tune. Next point is compliment each other often. You know, even as you get older, it's like, it's not the time. You know, uh, you know what, you know, if someone here is my age, you'll know we look in the morning and we look and we say, oh, I can't believe what I look like. You know, look at my hair and, you know, and this is, I can sometimes do that. And I'm like, please don't look at me. Please don't look at me when he comes in the, and he'll just ignore all of that because he's here, he's also standing up. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so compliment one another often. Next point is never go to bed angry. And I've alluded to it. Next point is forgive quickly and don't bring it up. Don't bring things up from the past. Don't dredge it up, you know, because I haven't got time, but there's also a whole list of things of why forgiveness should look a certain way. Forgiveness should look like this. You know, the Lord says he takes our sins as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. He, it's not as if he doesn't remember. I mean, he's got a very good memory, but he does not hold it against us and allow for us. He won't allow his Holy Spirit to come and convict us of things he's already forgiven us. I mean, and so if we keep on dredging up the past and, and you know, old things, it's as if we haven't forgiven because we're still holding on to it and it's still got a place in our hearts. So, you know, forgive quickly and it's basically dying to self because a strong marriage is the union of two very good forgivers. Amen. And then next, don't walk out during an argument. Moving right along. Say I'm sorry. Say I'm sorry when it needs to be said. If it needs to be said, say it, and be the first to say it, even if you didn't start it. It, it shows that you're a bigger person. Um, but draw the line. Don't let it be you all the time again, you know. <laughs> you, you know that marriage is described like a leaning into each other, and I've, I've shared this with you before. I love this illustration. So two people are, there's the give and take of everything in life, right? Give and take of marriage, give and take of friendship, give and take of our relationship with the Lord, giving to God and all of that. So if one person is rigid and the other person is the one that leans in all the time, that, you know, is the one to, to bow, eventually it becomes a bowing and a scraping. But actually a good marriage, and I, I want to say and confess it publicly, my husband and I have this kind of marriage. We lean towards each other. Therefore, one is not dominating as, you know, I'm the in charge, king of the house person. Um, I give him honor and respect for, for, for who he is and what is due to him. But when it comes to difficulties and, and stuff like that, we learn to lean towards each other with understanding and with, with tremendous help. Sam, sorry, be determined to stay strong and healthy is the last one in your relationship. Be determined. It's a vision you have. 
That's why we joke sometimes, we heard it somewhere else, and we just liked it, you know? Divorce never, murder often. But you, you would know that, if you know us, you know that would never be the truth. But divorce never, we, we always said we will never get divorced before we gave our hearts to Jesus. We made that commitment. That's why I say, you know, the doomed married people can sit here today and just say to you that if you determine and put your mind towards something and you say, this is what my life is going to look like, can you imagine we made that commitment before we had Jesus in our hearts and Jesus is in our hearts and he's on the throne of our hearts and that is what I wish for each and every one of you is that you won't put your husband or your children or your work on the throne of your heart, but you'll put Jesus on the throne of your heart and everything else, it just falls into place. Amen. <laughs> Lastly, let love, love, let love be your guidepost and please, because of time, I can't read it to you, but if you could just read 1 Corinthians 13, the whole chapter, it tells you what love is. I still meet people today who say, what is love? Love is patient, love is kind, love is not rude, amen? The Bible tells us, because God is love and he knows exactly what love is. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.